Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Welcome to Everyday Happiness, the Pajama Podcasts. I'm your host, Vicki McLeod, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you to the podcast this week. I have a very special guest to interview. His name is Mike Vardy, and he's a productivityist. And not only is Mike the first productivityist I've ever met, he is also at the top of his field. He is a writer, a speaker. He's the founder and president of Productivityist, which is his business. His work has appeared in Success Magazine, uh, online on the Huffington Post. If you're not familiar, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful um, publication to follow. He was the managing editor of the popular productivity blog, Lifehack, which is one that I've followed for many years. And he was also an editor at The Next Web and Work Awesome. His background is with Costco, and he tells a really interesting, the really interesting story in our interview of how he uses much of what he learned working in, as a manager in the Costco chain it, to apply to his work now. And what he really does now is, is work with people on how to design their work lives, their the tasks uh, from a very personal perspective. Almost, he reminds me a lot in a way of, uh, in a certain way, of the work of Pema Chodron, you know, the Buddhist nun who wrote the book Starting Where You Are. In his story, he really captures uh, the way that he um, started from where he was at Costco and used what he was learning there, as well as did this sort of perspective that I would almost call um, building the plane while flying it rather than waiting to get started on his dream until he had everything figured out, had the full plan mapped out, you know, had all the pieces in place, he actually started doing it and learning as he went. Um, And at the same time, he did this in a pretty organized and what I would call conscious and intentional way, which I think has contributed to his success in the marketplace now. Mike is also an author. He wrote the book, The Front Nine, How to Start the Year You Want Anytime You Want, which was published by Diversion Books. And I'm excited because in the podcast, he does uh, read an excerpt for us. And as you all know, if you're following this podcast, I really love uh, being read to and I love it that uh, the guests that I have are willing to read from their work uh, for you. He's also released two self-published works, The Productivityist Workbook and one called Beyond Trying. If you're not familiar with his work, I would really highly advise you to get familiar with it. Not only uh, I met Mike, I would say, at least three or four years ago now at Social Media Camp in Victoria, BC, which is where where he lives and where we're doing the interview. uh, I'm interviewing him uh, while he's there. Um, But I met him in Victoria, and I was really impressed with the approach that he takes to particularly task management, to how to be more productive. And what he says, if you go to his website, the top banner says, stop doing productive, start being productive. And he has all kinds of really uh, quite valuable um, uh, downloads on his website, many free uh, offers for us. He also is available, of course, to come in and work with you or with your team. I've hired Mike to come in and work with some of my senior clients, uh, really to help us to deal with uh, how do we manage, you know, in a sense, we're looking for time management, but but Mike's work is a very different flavor. And he talks not so much about time management as he talks about task management, and really, again, leveraging the personal approach in order to experience success and to design a way of being with our work and our lives that works for us, which is something that I really appreciate. 
In addition to that, he offers uh, a, a, a sort of a special bonus for listening in. So if you visit productivityist.com backslash pajamas, he's obviously got my number, and pajamas is spelled P-A-J-A-M-A-S. Um, he's been very generous in offering us a bonus that you can visit after you listen to the podcast uh, to see what he has for us. I haven't actually looked myself, so it's going to be a surprise for me. Um, the, the other thing that I think that's important about Mike's story that I would really want people to have as a takeaway is that he, in a way he talks about how you can have it all while creating it all. And I think that that's a really great notion to have is that when we're working toward the new that's emerging in our lives and trying to take up new territory, how are we willing to redesign what we're doing and redesign what we're doing right now? You know, the the reason the podcast is called Everyday Happiness is because my primary focus in my work is about people seeing what they have in their lives today, working with what's here today, living, you know, having those big dreams, looking for the future, creating that future that you know you want, but more importantly, embracing the day that you have today. And so I really love the alignment that I found it with, between my work and Mike's work. And I'm very excited for you to learn a little bit more about him. And with that, I bring you the wonderful and amazing Mike Vardy, Productivityist. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Vicki. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me this morning on the Pajama Podcasts. I am in my pajamas, as you can see. We're Skyping. Mike's over in Victoria, BC, here in Canada, and I'm in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, on the West Coast. So, Mike, you are a productivityist, and I was saying to you when we uh, did our little uh, discussion this morning before we started recording that you're, th- you're actually the first productivityist I've met. So (laughs) I'd I'd love to hear about just how you kind of came into this field. Uh, What was it about being productive that sort of turned you on in terms of, you know, becoming your life's work? So uh, what's not to, what's what's not to get turned on by productivity? I mean, really, when you break now, um, (laughs) when I um, I've always kind of. Um, been a multi-potentialite to a certain extent, you know, where I've, I've tried to balance a whole bunch of different things. So I think it was always kind of innately in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is something that I, I want to strive to be able to achieve at a high level in various areas. Um, but it really kind of came to pass when I was at, working at Costco, uh, which is what brought me out west. I'm originally from Hamilton, Ontario. Um, and it brought me to Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, and then I eventually went to, which is not too far from where you are. Right. And then, and, and then, yeah, and then Victoria, we were opening a brand new warehouse, and I was going to be a manager there. And uh, I had to manage two different departments. And if you've ever been to a Costco, you know that the uh, hot dog stand is at the front of the building, and then the, where you get the rotisserie chicken, the service deli is at the back. I ran both departments. So I walked that building continuously. But what happened was, is I met a, a, a friend who still works at Costco. His name's Martin. And we were roommates. And he said, you know, you're a funny guy. You should probably, like, come to this improv rehearsal with me. And I did um, because I had a theater background in school. And as soon as I did, the acting bug was back. I always had a dream of going to Second City and being on Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. And the problem was, as soon as that acting bug hit, my Costco career was going to take a little bit of a hit. I was trying to balance them both. Right. Okay. And and I was in a new relationship with, with, with my now wife, and um, we were, ha- and, then, and then you know, um, as time went by, we got married, and then we were expecting a child. And I'm trying to be this Costco manager, but also this comedian, running my own comedy troupe. We were, so I said, "How do I do all this stuff?" I know I'll study like 
productivity. So, so I you bought. Just take on one more thing. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, but that wasn't in my true intent. Potential like fashion, <laughs> yeah. actually, yes. So it wasn't my intent. My intent was to say, okay. So I went and bought the Tony Robbins program called Time of Your Life, and uh, you know, and from there, I also bought Get the Edge. And it's funny because before we started recording, Vicky and I were talking about my my You know, I'm a night owl, so 8 a.m. is about the limit that you'll get me up at. <laughs> Um, and, and of course, being a night owl, what did I see? Tony Robbins infomercial. So I'm like, Hey, I could use that. So I bought like the get the edge and his, his time of your life. And I started to study it and it, it became fascinating to me. And then I read Stephen Covey and then I read David Allen and then. So you were really uh, inspired by a lot of other people who were taking on like, kind of different pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so what happened was, is, uh, during this phase, um, I ended up quitting my job at Costco, but not leaving whole, like completely wholesale, no pun intended. Um, I left, I, I went from being a manager to a door greeter. So full time, like hot, like high five figures to, you know, part time guy at the door clicking the and thing. And that was and, like an intentional choice. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Was, okay. Yeah it, yeah. it was, well, and here's the way it worked is that when I was there, if you were part time, they could only schedule you for a certain amount of time per week. So what I was going to do with that extra time was work on my comedy and build up, you know, that. And what happened was, is I eventually realized that I was spending so much time studying productivity that it was, it, like you said, it taken off and off on a life of its own. So I created this, uh, this productivity parody site called Eventualism. And it was... <laughs> And so I, I thought I I married the two, yeah. and it was kind of like doing a Stephen Colbert type of thing on productivity. Because anyone who's out there that's a red life hacker and all, there's countless life hacking and productivity sites out there, and they all were, um, you know, uh, they, it, you know, how on the internet where if you you, you want to get page views and publishing, and, so they were just publishing just to, for the sake of publishing. Like Life Hacker, one of their posts were. Here's how you you want to you want to make your hamburger last bun last longer. Put the lettuce on the bottom of the beef instead of the top. That's a life hack. I'm like, no, that's just dumb. But so <laughs> so I started to make fun of the the idea because what what these what they called it was productivity porn. There were so many productivity sites that were talking about being more productive that it was actually taking so much time for people to read them that they weren't being more productive. So I found irony in that. And then I started to interview people like David Allen, who I'd mm -hmm. read, and, and and Seth Godin and. Um, a bunch of other people and uh david allen's people said hey you know what you're actually making time management entertaining um do you want to write for our blog and i said sure and they said just don't make fun of us but <laughs> mm -hmm. but make it entertaining so and take it a little more seriously yes right but add your but add your flair to it yes. so that way it's, yeah. it's and so I we did. know that also engages people right that we want to be entertained uh -huh. we, we love that kind of yeah so, so I did that, and uh, it started to work. Um, and then other sites started to ask me to write for them. And then I got hired to be the editor of Work Awesome, which was a site that was run by uh, Envato. And then I got hired eventually to be the managing editor of Lifehack. And all of a sudden, I became the very thing I was parodying. And it all started, and the reason the term productivityist uh, came into play is that I was a productivity enthusiast. I was into the, the realm, mm -hmm. and I kind of made a portmanteau of the, of the term. But now the ist kind of can, a, first off, anybody can be a productivityist if they're enthusiastic about productivity. Or now what's happened to me is I specialized in it, and I still do. But now I'm at the level of strategist. And again, full circle, back to watching Tony Robbins being interviewed by Marie Forleo. Right, yeah. 
he talked about how he's a strategist. I'm like, that's that's what I am now. Like, I I I, I know all the stuff. I'm enthusiastic about it. I know all the stuff, but now I'm crafting ways to help people with this stuff. Right. So I've become that thing. So that's kind of what took me down this. So what's what's funny is is I always wanted to be a performer. I always wanted to help people, whether by making them laugh or, or, or entertaining them. And I, as a comedian, that never happened because it, well, it didn't happen in a profitable way. <laughs> you could make a living <laughs> okay, at it. You did make them laugh, but they I did make them laugh. It, but, but when I would look at the paycheck at the end of the day, no one was laughing at in our house. So I've now <laughs> been able to apply all that to this thing, and it, it, it you know. I get to do what I love to do. And I have elements of all of the stuff that I always wanted to do growing up. Now I have freedom. I have the capability to travel and I've traveled to more places now that I am. There's a couple speaking engagements that are happening next year to places I've never been to before. So it's it, that journey. And it took me like, this was a, I've now been doing this for about 10 years now, but it started in 2000 and, to, like the journey itself. So we're talking 13 years to yeah. where I'm at now. And this has been my most successful year yet. And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what brought me to the dance. And, and, and you know what? I kind of like it here, even though I'm not a very good dancer. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're learning the steps as the music changes, which is something I think, you know, you sort of opened by talking about being a multi-potentialite, which is something we talk about here as well. I call it multipreneurship. Um, you know, really this this notion that you can do more than one thing. But I love the part of your story where you talk about, Mike, you know, for a time you were a greeter at Costco while you grew this other dream. So while you were working, learning, you know, trying to get, I love the, your eventualism site up and running, taking those steps, you did something kind of also on the side that sort of paid the bills. Yeah, yeah. And it was important. And, and the reason that I, I chose greeting, and I've been with Costco, I started with Costco in 1995. So I had been there by the time I made that choice about seven years, eight years. And I was there when the growth was really happening. So, you know, that's when they were building the one den. Like, before I left was the one when they built the one den downtown Vancouver. Yeah. Um, I know the manager of the one in downtown. I mean, I, I still know lots of people that work at Costco. You're still Costco connected. <laughs> I am. There's occasionally times where I will still say, you know, I remember when we, and I'm like, no, no, Costco. Like, I still throw that in there because I was there for so long. But but the thing is, is I the reason I chose that job, and I had a choice of any job I wanted, I waited until that job came up. Because I knew that it was the job that had the lowest amount of bandwidth, but the highest rate of return for what I really wanted. Because I can stand at a door and greet people and be happy doing so because I was getting to do the thing that I really was happy on the side. And uh, I had the seniority, so I was able to walk into the warehouse manager's office and say, yeah, I'm stepping down. And he goes, okay, well, we'll we'll sign you up for full-time. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to be full-time. And he's like, what? Like, that's what threw people off. They're like, you're going from full-time manager to part-time greeter? Why? And I said, well, first off, um, I don't want to be a manager anymore. Uh, Secondly, I want to be part-time because I want control. I want to be the one that gets to say, I I want you guys to come and ask me, hey, it's really busy, can you stay late? Because then I have choice. Uh, if I was a full-time employee, I'd be asking you to go home early. I would not be solving my problem. Uh, in fact, I would ca- be ca- probably causing myself more problems. Because the control I have right now as a manager means I can do my own schedule. Once I'm full-time, I don't have that control. And once I'm part-time, I don't have that control. So what elements can I still control? And then they said, well, why door greeter? I said, you know why door greeter. Come on, Phil. You know exactly why door greeter. <laughs> I said, I-, I get to deal with customers. I get to have – I said, I get – 
the freedom to, you know, and there's still a guy that works at Costco and he, we were not friends. And this is kind of an interesting stuff. When he got hired, he was hired. My understanding was he was hired because he had connections in the city that helped, you know, where the, where the building gets secured. He was, that that's one of the reasons, but he, they had, they had to hire this person or at least that was, it, they had to hire a certain number of people and he was one of them. Um, I didn't like this guy. So I thought his work ethic was terrible. Uh, you know, he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't into it. He was lazy. Um, by the time I left Costco, we were best friends pretty much. Like we were li- like, he lives down the road for yeah, me. Yeah. He's the, he's the lead singer of, uh, the arm, the, the band armchair cynics. There's no okay. band. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now he's the lead singer of a country, uh, country duo with his wife. He wasn't lazy. He was just focusing on the thing he really wanted and was doing the exact same thing I wound up doing later. He was just wiser about it. He just right. did it right from the beginning. He's still there. He's still working at the front door. It's paying the bills. He gets, I think he gets five weeks vacation now. So he just uses that vacation wisely. And we talk regularly. So it's, it's hilarious when you have perspective. Because perspective, when I started at Costco, was this guy's lazy. Why do we have him here? By the time I left, guy, this is the smartest guy in the building. This guy has this wisdom, <laughs> right. And, and, and it's interesting. It's almost, you know, when you watch a movie or something, you know, when you kind of see when the unlikely ally appears in the story. Yeah. Right? So it's kind yep. of like he was your unlikely ally. He sort of mm-hmm. showed up to irritate you in a way or be a little bit of a disturbance. But he was actually pointing to you some you to something, a kind of a wisdom that, that uh, you, you actually ended up embracing. But I really like those, those elements of your story. Mike, because the other thing, there's two, I think, really big takeaways I'd love people to get here. One is, you know, that you were willing to do that work until, until mm-hmm. the other work started to, to take the space that you needed both financially as well as your, as your own time focus. So you were willing to do what it took. And I often say to people, especially in my coaching practice, they'll ask, you know, well, I just don't know, you know, what I should give up in order to do this. And I say, how badly do you want it? Like, yeah. are you willing to change things up? Are you willing to take, it might be a risk. It could have been a risk that your manager would have said to you, you know what, well, we're not doing that with you. Either yeah. stay where you are or, or move on. So you were willing to take the risk, willing to claim what you wanted. But the other piece that I really liked as you were telling your story is that you, you kind of went out and explored and found the wisdom that was out there. You know, you talked about people like Tony Robbins and, and really looking at, um, you know, who's doing what out here in this space that I'm interested in and sort of following that, almost that, that uh, lure. You know, there mm-hmm. was something about this that appealed to you and you weren't sure what, but you went for it anyway. Well, and, and, and I think it was, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to make sure I had in my back pocket when I was leaving, or when I was stepping down from Costco was the understanding of, I was, I'm a big learner. I liked, in fact, some of the stuff that I teach now I actually developed while I was a manager at Costco. I had no choice. Like the idea of working by mode, the genesis of that started there. Yeah. Before I even really like knew that that was what I was going to be teaching people right. with the now your formula. That that stuff started there. So it's there. like using everything that w- that you already had. So just tell us a little bit about sure. working by mode, Mike, just in case the the listeners sure. aren't so, familiar. So so it's a, it's it's basically a different way of operating. We tend to go into work and work by project or by or by schedule, right? Like hey, cuz the time you could look at a clock, go, "Oh, it's 8:30. I should be doing this now." It's cuz it's something you can easily measure. Projects again, very objective. Here are the steps that we need to do to do this project. Uh, but modes are are how we actually tend to live. So modes would be things like um, energy levels, right? And and I know I've talked to you about this before, but like as a night owl, I'll give myself a great like I am not going to be taking on major writing in the morning. Why? Because my energy level just isn't there. So if I have a project, 
that's related to, let's say, writing a book or working on my next book. I'm not going to do the high energy tasks early in the day. Instead, I'm going to look at all my tasks that have low energy modes attached to them and do those. But modes don't have to be energy-based. They can be time-based. I actually have a few clients, because now I, I coach as well, that need to know they, they have problems managing their schedule and then what they'll do is they'll put it in their calendar and then they hyper-schedule their calendar because um, oddly enough, if you look at your calendar and it's full, it creates stress. It, mm-hmm. You have no flexibility. Um, you, can, you can make it so that it seems more flexible, but when you look at a full calendar, you say, I have a full day, I'm going to be very busy all day and all of a sudden it just takes off from there. So what the, I've, I've got time-based mode. So if they say, you know, I go, think about all these tasks and how long they would take. So is this a five-minute task? Then call it five-minute mode. Because then what you can do is, mm-hmm. let's say you have a meeting, right? Like a meeting at, at 10 and then another meeting at 11.30 and your meeting ends at 11. You've got a half hour. Um, you can do six five-minute mode tasks if you want. Now, if your energy level isn't there, then maybe that's not what you want to do. So modes are related to areas or um, some people have drawn the comparisons to David Allen's contexts, And that's fine because there is some definite, again, you said, like, I've learned from a lot of what... what but, but, you know, I mean, email mode, when you work by mode, uh, like email mode, I get to go into email instead of opening and going, hey, I wonder what email I have. I get to go in and go, here are the emails I know I need to deal with. Let me deal with those and then open the new one. So I get to go in with missions rather than questions. And because when you work by mode, you're, you're, you're moving multiple projects forward that are maybe only related by the platform or the energy or the mode that you're doing you actually are the closest you can get to multitasking. We live by mode. I mean, uh, if you are at home, you can only do certain things at home. If, uh, I mean, so many people have said, like I use grocery shopping as an example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go grocery shopping and you have a meal plan, you, you don't shop by day of the week. You don't go, okay, well, Monday I'm going to do this. But those are projects, right? Like the dinner you make on Monday is a project. Um, you know, the, the lunch you have on a Friday is a project. Um, you would shop by category. You would go to the meat department and grab all the meat you need for that week. But we, but we work the way I said we would never grocery shop. We go, okay, it's Monday. Let me go grab the meat and then go grab the produce and then go grab, okay, let me go back to the front of the store and let me do it all over again for Tuesday. And when you, when you think about it in those terms, we do live by mode. We just design our work, the, the lists we use and, 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 and the way we use certain systems. We tend to work by schedule of our project because Everybody can grab that, no matter who you are, because modes are different for everybody. Low energy mode to me would be email. High energy mode to you, Vicky, could be email. Like right. it, it, yeah. it's all relative. And I love that it's based. And I know this is part of your um, the now year formula. That uh-huh. is what you call this work. What I love about it is that it is individualized, and that's something that I know for myself over the the years. It's coming to really respect the way that I do things as the way that's best for me. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of uh, useful information and help to be had by others. But the more I can design my life so that it suits me, my personality, my approach, I found doing your modes work really useful. I think I actually posted something funny of myself <laughs> all dolled up in my housekeeping gear. I had my little kerchief on my head and my duster because I kind of thought, yeah, I'm going to go into household mode. There's stuff I need to do. What I loved about it, Mike, was that it actually helped me in saying no. Mm-hmm. because people wanted me to do some project work that day, that sort of desk work. And I said, no, I can't do that today. Today I am in household mode. Yep. And it doesn't have to be just for the day. You can segment it out like some people need AM and PM. I, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> but the other thing is is that 
one of the things I found when I was studying the productivity space when I was still at Costco was it was called personal productivity. Back then, it was personal productivity. We've, we've many terms or many, many blog posts, many articles have removed the personal from productivity completely. They just talk about productivity. Productivity has to be personal yeah. because you need to be able to better connect with your work. And one of the other things that I've found lately, and this is something else I've been studying, and it came to me the other day, again, probably because I don't keep anything in my head that doesn't need to be there. Uh, Oh, really? (laughs) Now that you have to teach me. I capture everything and regret. Here's a quote. Capture everything, regret nothing. Uh, I love it. Okay, so this is around like the note-taking or how do you write? Get it out of your head. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, and and I remember when we've talked before, you've you've seen my quote, you know, your mind is meant to be a factory, not a warehouse. And that's kind of what, you know, again, back to Costco, right? Like these are the kind of things that I see, you know. I mean, Costco, you don't go back to the receiving area to buy all the stuff. It gets pushed out to where that, if it was all in the receiving area, it would be a giant mess. And I know that there would be instances where that would be filled up. But one of the things that I hear a lot from people, and again, this came to me while I was, I think I was, uh, I was at a meeting with, with a client yesterday, a potential client, and it came to me in that meeting and I wrote it down almost immediately, was fighting fires. People say, oh, I got to fight fires. I got to fight fires. I'm like, that's great. I go, do you know how firemen fight fires? They're like, what? They, they, they put them out. I'm like, no, they strategically attack different parts of the building because how they fight the fire matters just as much as the actual fighting of the fire. And if they fight it incorrectly, bad things can happen. You know, the building can collapse on somebody. It can, uh, the fire can progress another way. You know, I mean, whether you're fighting a forest fire or a building fire, you know, I mean, forest fires, and we are experiencing wildfires in British Columbia right now. I mean, they, in some, first off, A, they do have to happen from time to time, but B, when they are fighting them, they actually strategically fight them so that they can put them out. It's not that they just dump a bunch of water on them. I mean, when I had a kitchen fire uh, a couple of years ago and burned my hand, if I if I went with my gut and threw water on that grease fire, that would have been a problem. So it's all. So when when you say I got to fight all these fires at work, well, fight at least fight them strategically. And I love that that strategic approach. I think it's so important in in so many ways. It's just to be able to get to almost to 30,000 feet and look at what we're doing and then stop and say, okay, what makes the most sense for me? Which is, again, the thing that I love about your your work is that it's really practical. Uh, You've obviously put in the time and the effort in studying it. You've taken it apart. You've spent probably more time than most of us spend looking at how do people actually work and how does time work and how are we we in relationship. But you've also made really practical, uh, many really practical products and tools that we can use. So just wanted to ask, we're, we're, we're getting close to close, uh, mm-hmm. closing time, but just wanted to ask you, Mike, how can people find you, get a hold of you if they're they're after your work? And I know that you've offered to read a little uh, excerpt from your book, The Front Nine, sure. for us before we finish. But just tell us, how can we find you and, and, um, and what should we be looking for when we do find you? Well, I think one of the best things you can do is to go to uh, I've got a special URL for this podcast, actually, because I want to give everybody one of the things I talk about is theming, right? And we, we talked about that before. And I think if for people to get started, I like to start at that level rather than the daily one, just because it gives people a, it's a, it's easy to do. You could do it like yeah, that. Especially. Love it. I love the so, theme. I have yeah. annual themes. I have monthly <laughs> themes. I have my current life relationship theme, <laughs> spending so, more time with hubby theme. <laughs> so the, the, uh, the URL is productivityist.com slash pajamas and it's p 
<laughs> now, now I haven't spelled it yet. So, do you want me to do a PY or PA? What would you rather have? I pajamas? use PA, although okay, I always get autocorrected to PY. But I then do we'll use do PA. Pa- pajamas. Pajamas. So, that's right. So, and when you do that, you'll you can get uh, access to the weekly theming guide, and actually has an audio walkthrough as well. So that's for your listeners, so that way okay, they can grab that. Thank you. And and uh, also you can go to um, and 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 that way you'll you'll be able to find all my my stuff. I'm on Twitter too. I'm at Mike Vardy on the Twitter. The site is productivityist.com. I've got the Productivityist podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there's. I'm, I mean, if you Google Mike Vardy, uh, I am now ahead of the British director, who actually was one of the directors of the original House of Cards series. But I'm ahead of him now. So oh, good. I'm, yeah. So yeah. I think I pushed him to the third page. So excellent series, by the way, House of Cards. Just to decide if people are looking for something to watch on yep. Netflix. Yeah. Great. Okay, Mike. So so just tell us a little about the front nine and and the excerpt that you've chosen to read to close the podcast today. Well, The Front Nine was my uh, first book, and it was published by Diversion Books back in late 2013. I'm working on my next one now. Um, you know, as, as everyone does, you work on your next one until <laughs> you're always working on your next one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one was about what I did was I, it's called The Front Nine, How to Start the Year You Want, Anytime You Want. I'm not a big believer in New Year's resolutions. I think, again, related to my energy level stuff, I think that starting your year when you were at your lowest ebb of energy after the crazy holiday period and saying, hey, you know what, it's Boxing Day, I'm going to take up yoga uh, in five days, just doesn't seem realistic to me. So I wanted to create some kind of how and more why-to guide as to why you may want to consider other options. And I used the golf metaphor throughout the book, which is somewhat, you know, I mean, considering where we live, we can golf pretty much all year round here if we want to. So the excerpt I want to read is about, it's in from the first section of the book, it's called The Drive, which is like starting, because um, starting is fine, but then it's about, you know, looking beyond, I mean, and this excerpt kind of is a metaphorical take on, you know, when you're getting started, not just looking right in front of you, but looking looking further down the road, so that way you can make sure you hit your target, so this, this excerpt's called Plenty of Drive, so I think about this kind of drive in the same respect as I do to driving a car. You're taught to look as far down the road as possible when you first learn to drive so that you can get a better sense of all that's going on around you and what might be coming up later. It's all about safety. You need to look ahead to make sure you can safely proceed or you'll be caught off guard and then there's trouble. But as you become a more experienced driver, you're doing it long enough, your scope narrows. You start to do other things while driving, which forces you to scale back on the scope of what you're really supposed to be doing, driving. That's when accidents happen. That's when you miss a turn because you didn't change lanes far enough in advance. That's when you lose sight of where you're going and only deal with where you are. When you do what you really are are supposed to do, you, you get better at seeing the whole road ahead. It's almost like you're a new driver again, but with a lot more experience and skill to navigate with. You're able to adapt, change lanes if you will, because you're looking far enough ahead. You avoid obstacles that may come across your path because you know where you want to go and really, in the words of Liz Lemon of 30 Rock, want to go to there. In the end, you're not necessarily driving at full throttle, but you're looking ahead at full throttle, and that will take you a long, long way. Thank you. There's nothing I love better in the world really than being read to, and to be read to by the author of the book is even more gratifying. So (laughs) my morning is starting off really, really well. Mike, thank you so much for uh, getting up so early and joining us on the Pajama Podcast. Thanks for having me, Vicki. I really appreciate it. And to the listeners, as always, I wish you everyday happiness, the time to do and be who you really love and want to be, and of course, safe travels. Mm-hmm.